This is Maurice Philogene, and welcome to the Try Life Farm podcast. Well, you may not believe it, but I've been an actor. I've tried out for the NFL, been a street cop, federal agent. I worked my way up the military chain of command to the rank of lieutenant colonel. I was also an executive at a global consulting firm, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of real estate in the United States. I've started developing on a Mediterranean island, and to boot, I've traveled to 100 countries over 300 times, and generally all this stuff at the same time. No, I'm not trying to be everywhere. I'm not trying to do everything. What I was trying to do, and I'm still trying to do, is to try life on, to plug into planet and earth as intended, and to fill my life book with experiences and relationships, and not just accept the status quo. So what we're going to do on this podcast is introduce you to the mindset, the skill set, the soul set, the approach that is try life on, and expose you to the people who've been doing it just like me, their tools, their tips, their tactics to trying life on, because we all can try life on in our own way. So sit back, relax, let's go for a ride. Let's go try life on. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Black Real Estate Dialogue podcast. If you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, make sure you like this video, share it. If you're on audio, make sure to leave us a five-star rating and review. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you in advance. Excited for this episode today. Fresh off the plane, I got Maurice Philogene with me, fellow Haitian brother out of D.C. Man, one, thank you so much for it's coming. My pleasure, thank you brother. for including me in your weekend, man. How are yeah. you feeling? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. It's been a long day already. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I'm tell- I'm, I should have gave you a heads up on that Uber situation at man. the airport. <laughs> You would think by now people would have that type of stuff figured out, but LAX was not friendly for yeah. the Uber stuff at all. Yeah, but we figured it out, man. We yeah, we did. Out. We here. So it's been two years, almost two years to the date of the last episode. I think the last one, re- oh, wow. episode 68, released, I think, April 1st of 2021. And April, wait, today's April 1st. Today's <laughs> so, April 1st, two yeah, years to the day. Yeah, two years to the day. And man. Yeah, lots has changed. A lot has changed. A lot yeah. has changed. You were at the W2 at the time and, yep. you know, had a lot of interesting projects going on so i'm excited to dive in and yeah. and get people up to date on what you've been up to man my man wherever you want to go i'm going all right you lead the way all right if y'all want the backstory and all that episode 68 we'll have it linked definitely definitely an amazing backstory but we're gonna catch up and see what maurice has been up to so man the first thing i wanted to touch on is uh the overseas development when we were yeah. talking last time it was something that was kind of just starting out um but you've been able to do quite a lot regarding the um, overseas development out in the yeah. Mediterranean. So can you just talk to us a bit about, you know, how that even got started and, and what you've been able to do? Yeah. See, everybody thinks that real estate is about money. It ain't always about money. Mm-hmm. And um, I think you, uh, we've touched on it before, mm-hmm. but I tell people real estate is very, business in general is goal oriented. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the goal is money and then sometimes the goal can be something else. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm on my third real estate life now. First real estate life was episode 68. I was yeah. talking about condos and how I paid them off and got my financial freedom, so forth and so on. The two years since I've seen you has been my second real estate life. I started syndicating apartment complexes, private equity firm with some partners, and we've done 30 apartment complexes in that time. My third real estate life is the overseas stuff. And you know this, I'm a traveler. I'm a global citizen. I call myself a global citizen all the time. I was a federal agent for for a long time, and I worked in Turkey in 2015. I fell in love with the Mediterranean region, and I knew in some capacity I was going to work, live there. I just didn't know when or how. 
all the gurus talk about the reticular activating system <laughs> in your brain and yeah it's just your radar and i heard someone say that our common college friend her husband was turkish cypriot and he was a real estate developer over there like within a day i was on the phone with him wow and then as soon as i could get on a plane which i feel like was three months later because this was around COVID time i was in his living room in cyprus i i when an opportunity comes i do not wait yeah we became friends and he really took me under his wing mm -hmm. so now i'm i'm developing a neighborhood of villas there's 12 of them i'm keeping one for myself but there's 12 villas Backyard is mountain range, front yard is the Mediterranean Sea. And then we're also building a kind of a apartment complex. They'll be sold individually. So it's like luxury condos, if you will, kind yeah. of thing. And then we're buying more property all the time. But the thing is, it's not that I was trying to be a real estate developer in a way. I was just trying to not be the American dude who shows up and sits in a restaurant and just eats and disappears. I wanted this phase of my life, and I'm 47, to be... I want to learn something different. I want to feel something different every day. Yeah. And that's where that those projects came in. It was more for lifestyle than it was for money, but I'm going to make, I'm make a little <laughs> bit of money too. Definitely. And a couple yeah. things I want to take out of that is one, you didn't hesitate on the opportunity. You found no. out who the person was, you got connected and you immediately started to develop that relationship. And I think a lot of times people miss out on opportunities because they're thinking too much. Like they Way just, too much. They're, they're wasting too much time. And before you know it, the opportunity is, you know, they're moving on and talk to the next person. So I think that's very important for people to, to, re to recognize. I, it's hyper important. My, my, any relative success that I've had is because of my ability to just do and course correct along the way. I'm, yeah. I don't have analysis paralysis. I think you should do your initial research, mm -hmm. get enough and stop Yeah, and just do, it will never be perfect. All these people you see out in the world who are successful is just because they have the ability to just get just enough information and get going. And I've kind of developed that muscle over the years. Definitely, definitely. So you mentioned the villas, um, the apartment complexes. Are those uh, things that are, that are still underway? In, in yeah, the they're under construction now. Gotcha. Matter of fact, I'll be there in two weeks. Of course um, you will. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'll be back here in two weeks, whatnot. <laughs> but yeah, they're under construction now and um, they should deliver, like the villas should deliver starting late this year. Wow. They're all sold. Yeah. The villas are all sold. And then we're breaking ground on the apartment complex now. Like that land, we bought it for like 300,000 British pounds. Okay. Uh -huh. It's interesting. I'm telling you, I want life. I tr we transact in British pounds. We pay in local Turkish lira. And sometimes I got to use the euro. It's yeah. awesome to be involved in that. But we picked up that land for like 300000 and recently got an offer in the seven-figure realm for it. Wow. So it's like we could take that money and run. But again, this was not about money. This was about doing something significant in somewhere else in the world. Definitely, definitely. What is that roughly like American, 300,000 pounds? Uh, you know? So like 350, three, okay. 350, 375. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So what's that? So obviously, you know, the capital part, but what's the process like with like developing – um out there like what, what's that look like oh my god bro it's a challenge <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about it uh i mean we all know caribbean island time like mm -hmm. things move slow but try island time with language and culture barriers mm. i mean it took me 11 months to open a bank account it took me 14 months to officially own 
a couple of the companies that we have that own the projects. Mm -hmm. It's going to take me a long, it's going to take me a while to get actual work residency and things like that. It's just a lot. But when it comes to development stuff, it is buying the land. We try not to go out to investors. This is something we just, I just want to do with my partner. Yeah. It's a life thing. And he's from there. This is his home. So I'm very yeah. respectful of that. You know, uh, I'm not trying to grab everything. I'm trying to do the right, the right thing. Yeah. But we'll grab the land. This is what I didn't know in the condo stuff and the apartment complex stuff. Once you have the land, you can start developing it. Mm -hmm. But the cost for development actually comes from the sales. Mm. So my outlay in the beginning is relatively minimal. It's, it's the acquire the land. But once sales start happening and the money starts coming in, my money's coming back out. The risk is lower. Now, you, there's risk in terms of you got to fulfill your contracts or what have you. Yeah. But in terms of having to go to a bank or something, I, there's no banks. There's no banks involved whatsoever. Really? The construction is funded by the actual sales. Right? Wow. So we can, I would have to look at ratios, but we can like, let's say build 12 villas or something for 50% of the sales cost. Yeah. Right. It might be even lower depending on how efficient you are, Got but it. there's no banks involved at all. Your money comes in, your money goes out and it's pure profit from there, but you got to do right by your customers and build them a good product. Got it. So you mentioned like there's no banks involved. Is that just, um, exclusive to this transaction or that's just how they do business out there in a you, lot of ways. You can't, I mean, if you, if you were buying a track of land that is $12 million, you're going, you might need financing. Right. Yeah. But the, the pieces of land that we're buying, I, I mean, and that was the value I brought to the relationship. This amazing human didn't just take me on just to take me on. Yeah. The value that I brought was I'm an Island minded guy. I'm a worldly thinker. He flies back and forth from the U S to, to the Island a lot, to the Mediterranean a lot. I fly back and forth. I understand his lifestyle. He understands my lifestyle. There was a lot of commonalities there. Yeah. And then, true to form, that condo money fueled my life. That money then fueled apartment complexes. I took some of the profit from the apartment complexes. I wanted to do something different in life. Yeah. I don't want to just have $20 million sitting in the bank. That's not the way to do things. Yeah. So I took money off the table and went after that. So I'm kind of the money behind it originally. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And he's, it sounds like he's like on the ground more and he'll probably be working more directly with like those who will be doing the building or he's teaching me. He's teaching he me. has his own construction company. So oh, he was gotcha, doing okay. this. He was doing this well before I got involved. Got it. So I, I, I am effectively paying for a real world MBA. Yeah. He's teaching me. Yeah. I'm, and man, it is trial by fire, brother. Like they don't over there where I'm doing business, they mm. don't have a lot of electronic systems mm. so you're carrying bags of cash really yep yep wow. and like the the deed system you know we go to the court here we can go online we can see you own something there's, there's none of that there how do you find out you got to go there got you so you got to you got to be on the ground and you and really, have to be yeah. on the ground there's nothing can get done uh remotely nothing yeah but i'm okay with that i i want that i want yeah. that and i have this rhythm of going back and forth now and that's the new lifestyle that i wanted yeah that's dope. I appreciate you explaining that because we, I don't think we've had anybody who's gotten into international development. And I think it's important just to share some changes that somebody or differences somebody can anticipate when working in a different country and doing business in a different country. I think the thing that I want to highlight when I said those three real estate lives is like, yeah, the first one was truly about making money Yeah. because I wanted to be financially free. I got that. And the second one was helping other people get financially free. Yeah. I still want to make money. 
The third one is a totally different goal. Like yeah. all this stuff is really goal oriented and it shifts over time. Yeah. My value system is very different. I'm not chasing hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm chasing experience. I'm chasing mm -hmm. life. I'm chasing doing business with amazing people around the world so I can learn something. So it, 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 I love real estate, but it's not this thing that everyone suggests, which is these people out here just making money. Some, but that's not what I'm doing. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. One of the things you mentioned during our offline uh, conversations beforehand was maybe for the villas or the apartment complexes, you mentioned that you two will be uh, managing the properties oh, yeah. and the interiors. Yeah. Is that for the villas? No, no. Or for the apartment No, complex. because the villas will be standalone homes, gotcha. so people okay. will own their own stuff. Gotcha. And then the municipality will take care of the roads and gotcha. all that. It's funny they don't build roads they have the developers build the roads and they then really they take yeah man there's all these rules the government is very smart they're like <laughs> you want permits okay you, you you build the roads and we'll take them over after yeah but no what i was referencing is once we build the apartment complexes and we sell them off just think condos in your mind yeah. right once we sell them off somebody needs to manage the grounds somebody needs to manage the the interior when a lot of these will end up being second homes for people Somebody needs to manage the interior as well. Yeah, we, we sign up for that, right? <laughs> so that is a great business model, a lot of passive income, and then something I can manage from a distance because I still like my lifestyle of being mobile, being able to move around. But I like recurring revenue a lot, and that yeah. was a way to keep recurring revenue coming. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So one of the things I really like about your story, I, I believe it's very relatable because, you know, you were working for like 25 years oh, before yeah. you took the full plunge into entrepreneurship. And, you know, I believe it's seven years to cover your basic needs through mm -hmm. passive income, 14 to make more than you made, uh, more investing than you made at work. Yep. Yep. And yep. Then you stayed for like 11 more years. So can you talk yeah. more about that journey? And, and, you know, you ended up working a lot longer than you needed to. Um, so we'd yeah. love to hear, hear more about that. I think for some people, the W-2, they want to get out of it really quick. But the W-2 was very purposeful for me. So I got hired by my company right out of college. It's called Accenture. It's, my company's called Accenture. It was called Anderson Consultant when I got hired in 97. It's great. It's a global consulting firm. I was exposed to a lot of different businesses, a lot of different skill sets, a lot of IT development, strategy, just all these skills I was learning. And then I was in the military as well as a federal agent. I only had a four year commitment, but I stayed 22 years. I really enjoyed what I was like. I can't be a federal agent as a real estate investor. <laughs> Where else am I going to get that? So I, I wanted that experience. And then I became a street cop in D.C., as you know, um, later in the game when I was 33. To your point, I earned my way to financial freedom in, by 2014. So in 2014, so I started in 2002. In 2014, I had more passive income coming in than my my salary. Like I was beating my salary. So theoretically, why didn't I leave work? Well, when when your basic needs are covered by money, you quickly start to realize that life was never about money in the first place. It wasn't. I wanted the experience. I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to brief CEOs. I wanted to be in the conference rooms. I wanted to deploy with the military, run field offices overseas. I wanted to be that street cop, local dude who was doing right by the community. I didn't want to leave. And then it, the money side of it was those W-2 checks was like throwing lighter fluid on the fire. Like I, I had so many goals to achieve 
with 200 grand plus coming in on top of the passive income, why am I going to leave? Not the, the, life is not just about money. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I had a lot of goals. So yeah, man, I was entrepreneurial from day one, from age 21 and I'm 47 now. I've, I've never stopped. And the only reason I stopped working it's actually kind of emotional to me because I miss them. I miss all my employment. Mm. I do. Mm. I would never go back, but I, <laughs> I do miss them. Yeah. The, the reason why I stopped, I'll just go one by one. Uh, I hit Lieutenant Colonel in the military. And when you get that senior, they pull you back to headquarters to start being policy related mm. to write policy. And you need to do that. Right. Now, I'm a field guy. I like being out there with my guys and gals mm. doing stuff out in the field. So it was time for me to go. So I was 22 years. I was like, okay, I'll retire Lieutenant Colonel. I'm good. That was 2019. When I left Accenture, the writing was kind of on the wall. Like I was really senior. I was a very senior, senior manager. At my age, I should have been a partner at, by that point. I kept turning down promotions. Yeah. And the reason, I think you know the story, but the reason why I kept turning down promotion was like, look, I'm getting this 200 grand for 40 hours a week. If I take the promotion, maybe I get another 40, 50 grand. But my responsibility level goes up. Mm. I'm working 40 hours a week on a J.O., but for real estate, I have plenty of time outside of the core nine to five, and I'm hustling hard, plus being a street cop, plus being a dad. <clears throat> if I would have took on partner, I'm now running teams of 300 people, and I have sales quotas, and I'm, I was like, nah, this 200 grand is good. I'm not chasing what everybody else is chasing, which is a title. But the writing was on the wall. I was older. There was a severance package that was available. My boss had been looking out for me for years. She could sense that I didn't really want to follow the normal path. So it was time to go. And then the street cop stuff. The only reason I left is because um, the George Floyd thing happened. Mm. Because in my, just take it for what it's worth. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to get into all the politics of the George Floyd thing. But the, the, the women and men that I patrol with was doing the right thing by the community. Yeah, I love being a street cop because... <clears throat> I had the ability to affect change in a very unique way, especially because I grew up in the hood and I'm white collar, blue collar, no collar. My perspective is very different. I speak four languages. My perspective is different. So we used to be proactive. We used to talk to business owners and go up to the schools and kick it with the kids and running gun at night and locking up the worst of the worst and running into people's house who had burglars in it and, car chases and a couple shootouts and stuff like we were doing what I call God's work. We really were <clears throat> George Floyd happens and everything changed. I found myself going to work at eight 30 at night after a long day in a consulting space. And I was just sitting in my car because we weren't being proactive anymore. And the community didn't want to see you anymore. Mm. So it got to a point like seven, eight months after George Floyd or no, maybe, maybe a year, a year and a half after George Floyd, my sergeant could see it in my eyes. I walked up to him. He's like, oh, man, you're done, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, because I'm not here for the money. I was here for the to, to do right by people and everything changed. So, you know, that that whole time to leave W2 world, it all happened at the same time. And the funny thing is I was financially capable, but I was still scared. Mm. You know how Mr. Wonderful talks about the the paycheck is a drug they give you to forget your dreams yeah it's like a it's like a tap in your arm mm -hmm. i have been getting paychecks matter of fact six of them a month for the last 25 years and all of a sudden that disappeared 
And even though I was actually financially capable, it scared me. It's weird, man. We 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 are. I, it's a matrix. It it really is. Because, yeah. yo, you're financially free, but you're leaving your jobs and you're nervous. Yeah, because I'm six numbers keep showing up in my bank account every month and now all of a sudden it's gone so i don't know it's been a pretty interesting journey definitely definitely wow one of the things you mentioned that i want to talk about a little bit more is that and i see you talk about this on linkedin and different platforms like a lot of people are chasing the highest position chasing the highest promotion and personally i find myself in this situation like i nine to five is good right it helps to fuel everything else you're doing but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's a certain limit like once you get to a job where you're working 60 70 hours a week like what time do you have to do anything else and it's and you know if people can get to a job work in my opinion just enough hours to live good mm-hmm. what's the need to try to do everything and be and be like partner or rise up the ranks i personally have a, i don't I, see the point <laughs> i i have a I have a philosophy on why that happens. <clears throat> and I think it's pretty solid. Yeah. Now, this is not this is not relatable to people whose passion it is to truly be a CEO or they want to be a neurosurgeon or they like that that is a totally different game. If you want to be the CEO of a company, then great, do it. If you want to be the executive vice president of the marketing department cuz your dad did the same thing growing up, then then do that. But my, my philosophy is like, we're all competing with each other and the career highway is crowded. It's crowded as hell. But you know where it comes from? 20, 20 to 30 years of formal education has told us what to be, what to be like, where to go, go to this high level school, get to this great company. And if you think about it, let me walk you through this. You think about it. When we was in kindergarten, everything was cool. We were creating, we were eating glue and we were throwing paint on the wall. We were very creative. And then we get to middle school and high school and something starts to shift. We start competing with each other unnaturally, in my opinion. We, 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 who's going to be the valedictorian? Who's going to be in the AP classes? Who's going to be the MVP of the football team? Who's going to be the prom king? Who's going to be the prom queen? We're always competing with each other. And that translates right into college. It's the same thing. We're competing. And you know what happens? It translates right into the work world. So what ends so people go into the work world with this notion of I got to climb the ladder because that's what my peers are doing. And I want to be seen as the person who is the most successful person because the societal definition of the most successful person is the person who becomes the partner or the executive VP. But my definition of success was financial freedom and time freedom and being able to do what I want, when I want, how I want. And the funny thing is, I don't bad mouth my company. Let, let me, I just, if I say anything, I want to be clear. I had a phenomenal corporate career. I loved it. But the funny thing is the some of the cats who were promoted to partner, they would sometimes articulate to me, why, why aren't you partner yet? Like, why are you, there must be something wrong with you. No, I was making conscious choices not to do that because I was busy filling my life book being around the world doing different things and also building up a real estate portfolio in the background, mm-hmm. having experiences as a street cop in the middle of the night, traveling to Brazil, traveling to the Finnish Arctic, building several businesses outside, but I never told anybody. So now when they see it, some of them have hit me up. I'm like, well, how did you do that? Cause I wasn't chasing your version of success. Mm. I was chasing my own version, the one that makes me happy. 
And I want to be clear when I say chasing version of success, that has zero to do with money. That has everything to do with what you want for your own life book. So if somebody wants to go be a doctor, great. But if somebody also, I tell the story all the time, one of my best friends from high school, she went to Yale Law School. She got the offers for 500 grand a year, 700 grand a year. Immigrants rights attorney, 80 grand a year. Because that's her passion. That's mm -hmm. her version of success. Everybody chasing people. So they will sacrifice time to get the title. Meanwhile, we only have 28,000 days to live in the average lifetime and you got 10,562 left and you're still posturing to get a position. Mm. Come on, man. That comes from formal education. And lastly, this is the biggest problem. Peers, coworkers, your neighbors, and even your family all putting their fears on you when you have an idea to go be entrepreneurial or be different. The crowd is going left, but your gut is telling you to go right. And you ask one of your boys and you, you your boy says, nah, man, you don't do that. That's different. You don't, you don't be like that. And it just crushes people, man. So, you know, people got to have a little bit of courage to step out on their own and not worry about societal definitions. If not, I wouldn't be here yeah. if I would have just chased the normal path. And I'm glad that I didn't. You would have been partnering, probably working today. Pro yeah. <laughs> On a Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, I, I brought my laptop. I will never forgive myself. I had my laptop at the hospital when my youngest son was being born. Wow. And I was doing company work. Because I was misguided on what was truly important in life. Hmm. Not today. Not now, especially with economic empowerment, but it, it's tough. It's tough. You you have all these images, and I'm I'm not saying that people are stupid. What I'm saying is people don't have awareness, and it's hard with all that formal education and people telling us what to do and what to be, and commercials saying you got to buy this Mercedes, get this big house, and then you are now beholden to the job even more because you got more payments. It's just this cycle of yeah. people getting stuck. So. I unstuck myself from day one. I was I was after it from day one. Definitely, definitely. I love that. And one of the things I appreciate about your story is you think differently than most people. Like you don't believe in the status quo. No. And I think that's even been evident in your real estate journey because early on you were buying condos very aggressively. And there's yeah. this idea out there that condos are a bad investment, but you stuck to it until you stuck to it until it did what it needed to do for you. So can you talk a little bit more about that and going against the grain in yeah. that way? Well, I didn't know it was a bad investment. It was working for me. Yeah. Like, the, the reason why people say condos are a bad investment is because they see the condo fee as a, as an issue. I didn't see it as an issue. I saw it as another expense that I had to account for. And in all my years of investing in con and by the way, the only reason I invested in condos is because the, the original, real estate broker that was assigned to me when I started doing real estate investing, she suggested it. She was like, no, nah, Maurice, don't go out to DC and buy them $400,000 things. Like get these little $100,000, get, get 1200, get 12 dozen hundred thousand dollar things and pay them off over the years. And once you pay them off, then you created a salary. Like, oh, shit, she's right. She's right. There was nothing wrong with condos. So it's it's not the condo issue. I think the issue is when I was investing from 2002 to 2015, it was typically condos, sometimes single family homes. 
And I was, I talk about my 10 step plan of financial freedom all the time. It's know your why, work hard to get pay, store a portion of that pay away, store it, not save it, store it. Store it means you are putting it away with a specific intent for it. It's not savings that you're gonna rob for something else. But once you store enough money to buy an asset, buy an asset. When that asset creates a little bit of cash flow, take that cash flow, add your paycheck, store again, wait till you have enough, buy another asset. That's long. It takes a long time. But what happens over time is things start to compound and move faster. So where in the beginning years, 03, 04, 05, it was taking, you know, maybe I was getting a condo once every seven, eight, nine months. But by 2013, 14, I was getting once every three, four months mm -hmm. and like flipping them and then paying stuff off. The thing that was the challenge was I didn't have this. I didn't have Sam back mm -hmm. in the day. And there was no podcast platforms <clears throat> to share stories and then to connect with each other. Yahoo was just starting. Mm. There was nothing social about what I was doing. So when the fellas was going out during the weekend and I had to do tenants, termite and toilet bowls and paint and nobody was around. Like I was doing that joint solo to the tune of 35 self-managing 35 single family homes that were as far apart as 300 miles from each other. Now that's after a full week of being consulting executive during the day and a street cop at night. And then on the weekends, I would go do hands-on real estate stuff. It was nuts. So it's not the condos. It's that I was following this different path and I was so focused on freedom that there was nothing. And that's why I tell people, you got to know your why. Yeah. My laser focus on that, and I'm not saying it was healthy. I, like I look back on it now. No, I mean, there was times I didn't sleep for 48 hours. But my focus on it was so driven that nobody was going to stop me from from doing that. I think that's what was a little bit different because I did fail sometimes. Sometimes I had a short sale or a foreclosure and mm -hmm. I was like, nah. And when the 2008 uh, bust hit mm -hmm. and half my tenants stopped paying, it's like, man, I'm not quitting now. What do I, how am I going to solve this blocker? I picked up the phone. I called every single bank. I negotiated with every one. I found a way around the problem because there was no way I was going to give up seven years of work. And I'm glad I didn't because, you know, 2,500 units later, I'm still here doing this stuff. Definitely. Definitely. Let's talk a little bit more about that 2008 because yeah. for a lot of, you know, I've spoken to a variety of people and for a lot of people that, you know, they lost everything. Others, they were able to figure things out, whether it's like loan modifications, things yeah. of that nature. What was it? that helped you figure it out were you able to get like loan modifications or what, what were some of the scenarios that helped you keep as much as you could well on the bad side i did have a fork i think i had one foreclosure mm -hmm. one or two on the medium side or the neutral side what i did was i called the banks and i said and i and i sam i was doing the right thing i had a hundred grand liquid in the bank yeah so when people stopped paying i i was footing the mortgages that didn't last very long, the mm -hmm. 100K. <clears throat> so I called them and like, can we do a loan modification? Can I short sell the place? Can I do a loan uh, deferment? Every program was a little bit different. Mm. Every every lender was a little bit different. Sometimes I could use the fact that I was military to my advantage because they were very kind to military people. Um, but I had everything. I had short sales. I had loan modifications. I had a couple things got deferred. But it was it, 
bruh, it was stressful. Like, I mean, not a little bit stressful. Yeah. Imagine working two careers. So that's 2008. So I'll guess I was making about 180, 190 between two careers. Mm -hmm. 100% of it outside of food and house was going to these things for years. Wow. Uh, then the family kicks in. It's like, you should quit. I, I ain't quitting. There's no way I'm going to quit. So. But that was the thing. You could, you could, you can negotiate. If, in, in a lot of cases, lending institutions they know will run into problems. Yeah. And if you are honest, it's not always going to be this way. Yeah. But if you are generally honest, and they sense you are trying to figure something out, and they have programs on the books to work it, you can work it. The, but the weird thing is, you had to finagle it. Yeah. So like the banks wouldn't even talk to you until you were four months late. That's interesting. Think about that. So I was paying vacant places and they won't talk to me because the loans are up to date hmm. so i just stopped i intent i mean i yeah i can say it now statue of them i intentionally <laughs> stopped paying yeah because i needed them to talk to me because i oh. wasn't gonna make it right and finally when i got to three months late or four months late then they're like okay we have these programs isn't that crazy they i had to stop the edge. <laughs> they they had yeah they waited till i got to the edge to talk to me that's crazy. Yeah. But I had to figure that out. And I was relatively young in the game. And I just figured it out doing research and talking to people. And yeah. it all worked out. Love it. Love it. So what would your advice be to someone? Let's say their goal is $10,000 $10, in passive income a month. Yeah. Um, real estate is something that they're interested in. How would you recommend somebody like that backs into that goal? Yeah. I, so I do it with my coaching students all the time. If 10,000 is the goal, well, yeah, if 10,000 is the goal, well, let me say this first. Any, num any number can be the goal. What I really stress to people is find the, the basic needs number first. Mm. By basic needs, I mean, if you have four grand of bills a month, like basic bills, your, your, your rent, your food, your gas, mm -hmm. uh, going out once or twice, like basic bills. Yeah. Focus on that number first, because once you hit that number, life changes. Stress goes away. You technically don't need your job. Stress goes away. When people, I, I agree, shoot for the stars, land on the moon. I'm with you. But when people focus on massive numbers that seem insurmountable, it stops them from even moving. You, you know what I mean? So I, I help people, but I do help people get to those numbers. We reverse engineer it. OK, so if you need if you want 10 grand a month, then what is the asset class that you want to work with? Is it multifamily? Is it a single family? There's the money goal of it, but there's also the what can it do for you mm -hmm. type goal. Like, do you want to be actively involved? Do you want to be passively involved? Whatever it is, you can reverse engineer the number of deals that you need to do to get to that number. And the way that we do it is, OK, how much money do you make? All right. What are your bills? OK, what's left? Uh what is the what is the amount that's left? Because that's your storage number. So let's say you can store twenty five hundred bucks a month. That means it's going to take you ten months to get to twenty five thousand. So let's say twenty five thousand is down payment for a place. Okay, now we're on a ten month schedule. Here's the cool thing: like some of my coaching students do this. I challenge them. I'm like, your storage is twenty five hundred. How are we going to get that up to thirty two hundred? Mm. You know what? Some of my coaching students have done this is some this is some good stuff. Like. One particular amazing human, if she hears that she's going she gonna to know I'm talking about her, but I'm going to talk coy about it. 
She lives on the East Coast. She has a virtual career. She makes about like 150. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, no, you got to employ Pareto's law. Just do 20% of the things at the J.O. that's going to give you 80% of the result. Your job is to make sure those two paychecks come in. But how are you going to increase your storage? She's like, well, I can reduce my expenses. I was like, no, nah, think more abundantly. Well, she added a second virtual career. Neither of the careers know that she's at the other. So instead of making 150, she's making almost 300 grand now. So her storage almost doubled. Actually, it, more than that, more than that. So instead of taking 10 months to get to her first place, she got to her first place in four months. Wow. It's a game. It's a game. You can play it. So you reverse engineer, you store, you buy the asset. Hopefully that asset spits off a little bit of cash flow. You add that to your storage too. The next one won't take you 10 months. might take you nine months. Yeah. You do it again. The next one's not nine months. It takes eight months. You do it again. Well, now you have three plus your careers. Plus, I'm going to go drive Uber Eats. I want to make this thing go faster. It's just this rhythm you have to get into. The problem is people lack patience and consistency nowadays. Mm-hmm. Everybody lives in an instant society. They want to hit the lottery right away. But even if you hit the lottery, you've not built up the skills to maintain it or to multiply it anyway. Might as well go the the right route but that's how i reverse engineer it with people we literally what's the number how many deals we got to do how long is it going to take we know exactly when we're going to have enough for the down payment or if you want to move it faster get a partner get get with their money maybe give them 30 percent. you keep 70 percent. we get that train rolling and the people who have the patience and consistency and lack of ego to let it work it will work Love it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So I want to shift into Quattro Capital. At mm. the time when we first spoke, uh, things were going, things were starting to get going, it seemed. And yeah. you've <laughs> y'all been able to do quite a lot since then. So 200 million in assets, <clears throat> I believe you mentioned mm-hmm. to me when we spoke, mm-hmm. investing in over 10, in over 10 states. And, you know, it's a company that you founded with several partners. So mm-hmm. can you just share a bit more about how it all came together? It's a great story. In reflection, it's a really cool story. And uh, if any Quattro investors are listening, I love y'all. Appreciate you. This goes back to what I told you about. Life is not about money. Because in 2016, I felt stagnant, like really stagnant. I did the condo game. I earned my financial freedom. I, I was um, running a field office in Turkey at the mm-hmm. time, and I got back to the States, and I'm like, life does not feel good. I'm not learning anything. We can go to 9 to 5 and feel like we're pressing repeat every day. You can also feel like you're pressing repeat in the entrepreneurial space as well. I was just doing the thing that I had always done. Mm-hmm. So true to form, when Facebook and Instagram listened to you, uh, <laughs> an ad showed up on my phone for a multifamily seminar. I went to the seminar immediately it clicked i'm gonna learn something and i wanted to try something new um the cool story is i was at a real estate conference in 2018 my now partner erin was on stage she was talking about her uh, her philanthropy work in nicaragua she was building homes at five thousand a clip for families just mm-hmm. need five thousand dollars she could build a home for a family in need and she got on stage and she was nervous you could tell and she asked the audience would anybody be willing to donate $5,000 because I I do this? And nobody stood up. So I was like, I got $5,000. i am going to stand up. So I stood up, and I, and I pledged $5,000. Uh, 
And then that opened the floodgates and like people just started standing up and she raised $55,000 in 10 minutes. We became friends. She called me in October of 2019 and said, Mo, can you sponsor us, me and these two other people for this deal? It's not like I knew much about multifamily, but I had started and I had net worth from other stuff like the condos, some restaurant stuff I was doing and everything. Mm-hmm. So I sponsored the deal, which means I had the net worth, liquidity and experience to get the loan from the bank to buy this three million dollar property. We did that deal It closed in January of 2020 and it was seamless. We were all like complimentary, comp- complimentary skills to each other, lacked ego. Everybody worked well together. And I'm very much a loner from a business perspective. It's just what I knew. So mm-hmm. it was a little bit uncomfortable to me. But when we finished it, Aaron was like, why don't we stay together and form a company? That scared me a little bit. <laughs> why is I, that? Uh, because I was just so used to rolling on my own. And if I made a mistake, it was 100% my fault. And I was, I'm was i good with that. But I leaned into uncomfortability. And where it has led us is we have... Uh, bought and renovated. Uh, I think we're in our 28th apartment complex. The first one was that one. Um, but we've done 28 apartment complexes. The last one was what I was telling you on the phone mm-hmm. was uh, a 240 unit class A complex in Houston. Yeah. Uh, December of last year, December of 2022. And that was $38 million. So we've I mean, we've done a lot and we've we've done that. We've done land together. Um, Aaron uh, is doing container homes. I've done mobile home parks. I mean, we're 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 out there. Definitely. How how do you all find investors for, to participate in the deals? Yeah, I mean, first it started with family, mm-hmm. but then it started with word of mouth and credibility and social media speaking at conferences. Now it's track record. So when you do a syndication, the idea is you're buying an apartment complex mm-hmm. that needs to be renovated. You buy an apartment complex that needs to be renovated. People don't realize that complexes, they, they go through renovation cycles every seven to 12 years or so. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you still have green linoleum from the 80s and yeah. you got to renovate apartment complexes. Um, when, when I say full cycle, what I mean is we bought it, renovated it held it for a while, operated it and sold it. Got it. And we've gone full cycle on six of them. And our average rate of return is greater than 30% on all of them. We've had our issues. Mm-hmm. We're having certain issues now. It ain't perfect. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing we're very good at. We're good at communicating. We communicate the good, but we damn sure communicate the bad too. Yeah. When COVID happened, who could have like, eviction moratorium? We can't get non-paying people out. It, it dramatically affected the business, but we have the ability to course correct really well. Yeah. And we're known for that now. And now we, we just attract investors. We attract money. So on that $38 million deal, we raised $17 million And it took, well, it took longer than expected, but that one took about four months to wow. raise the $17 million. So it's not that it's not that difficult, especially when you let people know what you do and you also let them know that you are presenting an opportunity that they typically wouldn't have access to. Like I got street cops who are investing in deals and nurses and teachers and cats from the military investing in stuff that they've never even knew that private placement or private equity was something that they could do. Right. So I love the fact that I'm educating people to the, you can do what the wealthy been doing for decades. Come right in. 
and a lot of that money has come from that too definitely get a lot of repeat investors Ooh, 58 percent is that for for this kind of for these kind of deals is that a pretty good rate you know i don't know and i mean i I mean that uh humbly and on purpose i don't care what other people do i'm not compete i told you i don't like competing with people i'm not interested in competing with people i'm interested in doing my own thing but what i am proud of is 58 percent of the 58 percent of our investors are two-time investors or more they've invested in two of our deals or more man i'm I'm hyper proud of that. You know, my phone is buzzing in my pocket right now. I'm like, is that an investor? Elon Musk has a lot of my money, but the brother's not taking my phone call. I made him chicken dinner. He don't show up at the house. He's not. I love Tesla. So they got a lot of my money, (laughs) but I can't reach him. But every single one of my investors has my cell phone number. If something's going on, I want them to know what's going on with their money. I want them to be close to it. And I also want to be a friend to them and strategize on wealth and college expenses and it's it's just a it's a privilege to be in a position to help people like that and it's something i really like definitely definitely what are your thoughts on the current real estate environment interest rates and things of that nature has it impacted some of the plans for the company oh yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you have to pay attention to it and we are in a very unique time i have the benefit of having gone through the 2008 2010 cycle it's different it's related but it's it's very different back then there was uh banks which i mean mortgages were just crap back yeah. then now what's happening is with the inter- interest rates going up so you have people who bought apartment complexes let's say five six years ago usually loan products debt structures on this type of stuff is fixed for like a one year two year three year and then it does mm-hmm. adjust to to interest and principal, but um, all that stuff is adjusting now. So people are starting to not be able to afford the debt load on these apartment complexes and they got to sell them. Mm. The problem is with interest rates going up and the Fed tightening the screws on money in general, there is a squeeze on money. So even if there's a great buy, it's very hard for me to go out to the lending community right now to go even get the debt, to go get the 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 product. It's it's a it's a it's a weird time. I would have to raise more capital. Usually I have relatively more debt than than equity, mm-hmm. meaning raising money from people. But now it's starting to shift a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you can see the change in the environment where we were knocking down complexes like in in the last at the end of 2022. I think we closed on five $25 million or more complexes in a 15-month period. That's a lot. We we don't have one under contract right now mm-hmm. because the environment is not lending itself to that. The environment is also messing with, and I won't get into all the gritty details, but when you when you get a loan from a lender, a lender you also have an account with them that you draw from. The draw, let's say a $4 million draw, is the money for the renovation. You have to go back to the lender and say, yo, I need that I need that $4 million. And you have to prove to the lender that you're ready and these, these circumstances have to be met. And the lenders are being very picky right now hmm. because liquidity is tight. All these banks are being run on. They don't want to let money go. 
But if they don't let the money go for me to do the renovations, then I can't get the renovations to get the rent up to get my investors back their rate of return easily. It's causing a big issue. The Fed needs to be careful what they're doing, because if these apartment complex operators, I'm one of them, if we don't have the ability to do what we're doing, one apartment complex fails, it's not maybe it's not a big deal. But a lot of these banks, a $38 million apartment complex on their balance sheet is huge. And if it fails, the bank could fail. Hmm. And if the banks fail, then the community starts to lose confidence. Community loses confidence, there's a run on banks. There's a run on banks, we are having a problem. It's just all these dominoes can, can occur. Um, but, you know, that's part of the finance industry and you have to pay attention to this stuff, so I do. Definitely. Definitely. Um, one, one of the other things I wanted to talk about yeah. is uh, how so you mentioned that the, the, the team comes together pretty nicely and everyone kind of yeah, knows yeah. their roles. Yeah. Did it naturally fall into that place or, <laughs> or how did everyone find what their role was going to be in the company? Because it's, it's five of you, right? It's five of us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's five of us. Mm -hmm. you caught me off guard there for a second. <laughs> we were smart enough to invest in ourselves. We, yeah. we hired a business coach at significant expense. It's not that we weren't smart. No, we have 90 years of corporate experience between all five of, or professional experience between all five of us. And like my partner, Kim, has done billion dollar transactions. And Chad is like a rocket scientist. And Aaron is a doctor. Like, it's not like we didn't know how to handle ourselves. It's that we are. And anytime you're in a group, you have you are at a different phase in your life. Chad's in his 30s. I'm in my late 40s. I'm, I'm just at a totally different phase. Um, we needed to understand our lanes, if you will. I have always been a leader in everything that I've done, right? Like at the consulting firm, I was leading teams when I was in the military, obviously I was an officer, so I was responsible for a lot. And I was at a point in my life where I'm like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to be the leader. I, I don't want to carry that burden, but I want to be a good follower a leader as a follower kind of thing like mm -hmm. what is it that i'm going to do because i don't want to build systems anymore and what it came down to is me loving this i love spending time with people chopping it about chopping it up about life how can i help you improve your financial freedom your your prospects for financial freedom how can i help you design your life you know how i am about lifestyle design mm -hmm. so that made sense for me to be in investor relations and spending time with my investors right Okay, so that's my lane, and that's also Erin's lane. She's fantastic, Erin. She's phenomenal. I think she could power a nuclear power plant. She's she has wow. that much energy. But we all we all have our lanes in the business, and that came from spending time with a business coach who truly he helped us work on the business itself, not in the business. Mm. The business of real estate is not just buying property. Not if you're running a large firm. You you are running a business right he helped us organize that and then once we had it organized then we were kind of off to the races and we we've handled it really well so investing in a coach made a lot of difference made a lot of impact definitely so as y'all are looking for these apartment deals is there a basic criteria you have for what y'all are looking for in in the complexes there's criteria yeah there's there's criteria i mean at a, at a basic level, the environment's changing, so it's yeah. hard. It, it doesn't, it's not static. Yeah. But at a basic level, you want to be in a jurisdiction that has 
uh, good job stability or job growth. It's different than single family. Single family, we were just buying a joint and okay, the rent is seventeen hundred. You're good. Like you weren't really thinking about it. But here, when I have first of all investors, but when you have two hundred and forty units in one complex, you need to know that people can pay. So you want to go somewhere where the job outlook is very strong or it's rising, right? That's the first thing. You want to know that the population is going up versus the population going down. I don't want to buy necessarily in Detroit if the population is going down. Houston, there was 75,000 jobs added to the, the core of the city in 2022. That's great because for every primary job, there's another two, three ancillary jobs, the gas station attendant and all that that's going to pick up. So you want strong jobs. You want an apartment complex that needs to be that has some renovation that needs to be done. So meat on the bone that you can go after and what have you. But I also want economies of scale. The value of multifamily is not just, oh, let's get the rent. The value is how can we, we be operationally efficient? So uh, net operating income. It's just the income you have coming in minus the expenses. The middle of it is the net operating income. And that equates to the value of the complex. But I can increase the net operating income by increasing rent. I can also increase the net operating income by decreasing expenses, right? Mm -hmm. If I have scale in that city. So in Houston right now, we bought the first complex for 200. First complex had 210 units. But if I add 240 units to that, so now I have almost 500 units, Mm. my cost to run them goes down, right? So I know I can grow in Houston. I want to be there. If someone tries to sell me a one-off complex in Louisville, Kentucky, I'm not going to grow in Louisville. I don't want scale there. So it doesn't make sense for me to go there. So there's all these aspects that you have to look at. But in general, jobs. Yeah. Where where are the jobs? Where are the jobs going to be for the foreseeable future? Where is the supply uh, less than the, excuse me, where does demand outpace supply? Mm -hmm. No one's building anything in Houston. So the the stock of complexes has to be renovated. Um, You just look at factors like that and. You get used to it over time. Like you get a good feel for it. Definitely, definitely. So let's talk about Try Life On. Yeah. You know, I subscribed to the newsletter. I was actually reading it um, when I got here. Yeah. And um, the one that came out. Today? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually, I signed up. I signed up for the email list today. So maybe it's like an automation or something. I got an email today, or maybe that's what went out today. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I was reading the email. Um, and I think what you're doing with the brand is great. You know, obviously you're big on lifestyle design, helping other yeah. people do it. Um, and I think it's very important. So t- talk to us more about you know what you're looking to try do, life try on. life on, and, <laughs> and everything. Like I followed a LinkedIn post, everything. So it's been super helpful. The phrase should speak for itself. We have the ability to try life on at any time. What we were talking about at the beginning of the conversation with people kind of defaulting to status quo, I've never really subscribed to that. In fact, I call one of the try life on principles is calling status quo a status quo is a default language you you can accept it if you want or you can just totally reject it i don't i reject people's notion of what success looks like i reject people's notion that you can't get on a plane on a thursday and fly to germany for one day and come right back i reject people's notion that you can't be a senior executive at a consulting firm during the day and a street cop at night if you want to You can try life on whenever you want. You can put down people's opinions of what you are supposed to be, that you are the brother, so you're supposed to be the NBA dude or playing in the NFL or being a hip-hop. That's what I was told when I was growing up in the 80s, 70s and 80s. But that's what I was told. 
No. There are ways that you can try life on today. There are ways that you can design lifestyle that you don't need a vacation from. You and I was talking, but I don't take vacations anymore. My, my life doesn't need a vacation anymore. Today's a great example. Part of why I'm here today is because I have learned the skill of travel hacking. I know how to get anywhere in the world for relatively cheap for the most amount, in the most amount of comfort. Um, so when we were, we were talking yesterday or the day before, I'm like, no, I'm fly out there. Let me, let me travel hack this. And I got out here on points. And the moment I land, I have a membership to a lounge. I jump in the lounge, go to the shower. I come over here and you ask me like, when are you going back? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know when I'm going back. I don't have a hotel yet. I like my life to be mobile and so do a lot of other people. They don't want to be stuck in an office doing a water cooler talk every day. You can design a mobile lifestyle. So for example, I want to be mobile around the world, but I have 900 pieces of mail that shows up at my house. I got to get back to the house to do this stuff. Well, virtualize your mail. You can virtualize your mail so you can be anywhere in the world for any reason. I want to live a different lifestyle, but I got to go to the office. Well, then ask better questions. Another try life on principle. Ask better questions of your employer. Present your employer a solution to support, not a problem to solve. Why are you default? No, my company doesn't allow. Well, my police department and my company didn't allow me to have secondary employment. I presented them with use cases that made sense and they both accepted it on both sides. And then I was very quiet about it from there. The whole movement of Try Life On is to get people to understand we have 28,000 days in a lifetime. That's, that's what we got in an average lifetime. People are looking at it in years, which is very abstract. Get out there. Design your life. What is your... Oh, here's the big thing. What is your dream day? Because adults don't dream no more. Mm. I just had a coaching student call me on the way in here. He was like, man, thank you so much for... Um, suggesting to me to do the dream day exercise because what he did is write down his perfect dream day where is he what does it smell like who's he with breeze coming off the mediterranean sea i got my business i work from a coffee shop for two hours i got three investors that i work with they're funding me i only work for four hours a day then i go kick it with my boy sam we have a glass of wine or a bottle of wine and we talk about life and we really get into it and we enjoy each other's company. And then I get home to my kids. My kids are being taken care of by the nanny who I have enough money to support her so I can go do this stuff. Put the kids to bed. I sit by the window and I read a book. If that is your perfect day, then what is the blueprint, your personal blueprint to match that perfect day? Where, where, do, you, where do you physically want to be? How do you physically want life to feel? I don't want to be in an office. I don't want to take the train every day. I don't want to compete for titles at work. And then pick the appropriate business or entrepreneurial or work blueprint that matches that. If you want to have this life or have the framework to have that perfect day, why are you picking to own a Subway sandwich shop where you have to be there every single day? Or why are you default going to be an employee at Amazon because the professor said that's the best company in the world, yet it's going to keep you trapped in San Francisco? Yeah. Stop that. Reverse engineer the life that you want so you can try life on now, not later. This thing that we do where we go, we, we sock away 20% into our 401k and we wait till we're 65, yet the average life is 79? No. So I started try life on to 
give people all these principles that I have figured out over the years. I never, I was challenged by someone to start sharing my story because I figured something out that could really help people. Mm -hmm. So then I started to formalize it. Then I started coaching people. I can't keep up with the amount of people that want to redesign their lives. I can't keep up. Wow. And I refuse to do group coaching. I won't do it because everyone is so unique. So, I, you know, I'll, I'll do like 10 at a time. But then I'm going to start the podcast to introduce other people who are trying life on their own way. There's some media projects coming. It's it's phenomenal, man. And I told you know this. I'm, I'm much more of a servant kind of guy. Mm -hmm. I like being a street cop and in the military and stuff. But now I get to serve people with affordable housing. I can help people redesign their life so they can live their best life now. It's just a it's a blessing, man. And a lot but a lot of it came from that original real estate freedom journey when mm -hmm. I was taking a left, when everybody else was going right. And it just taught me that I can do anything. I can make extraordinary ordinary. Yep. If I want to get on a plane on a Thursday, true story, fly to Turkey to sit at my favorite bar and read a book for a day and come right back, that's what I do. I don't I don't buy people's definition of, yo, you're supposed to go to Walmart this weekend and work on the, no, <laughs> that's not where I'm going. I'm going to fly out to see Sam for two hours and I might go right back to the airport, sit in a lounge, have three glasses of wine and get back on a plane and go back to DC. The, 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 lastly, the, the people do this, but this is a great example. The airport needs to be demystified. Hmm. The, the, the airport is just a bus station. That's all it is. And an airplane is just a bus with wings. It just gets you from point A to B. You can make the world smaller if you want, right? And when people travel, it's not that you're going on vacation or you're going to visit someone. That's not what it is. It's that you are extending. Think about it as extending your world, not visiting somebody else's. So even though I live in D.C., I'm based in D.C. and I'm out here today, I'm like, Nah, LA's down the street. I'll be right back. That's what I told my 10-year-old. <laughs> I'll be right back. I might be back tonight. I might be back in the morning. But Try Life On is a beautiful thing, man. I really encourage people to lean into it and track it down, but more so just to design the lifestyle they want, not default to the life that someone told them to do. Love it. Love it, man. This is this has been a great interview. I'm really glad we had an opportunity to catch up again. Yeah, and I'm, I'm energized, man. I'm Now I'm thinking about you know going home and figuring out you know, how we can try life on, how we can, you know, adjust our lives to, to just get to our ultimate goal. And so, you know, I appreciate that. And I, I really want people to take away that it's okay to go left when people are going right. Oh, yeah. You know, you can do it through real estate. You can do it through anything. So, you know, I appreciate you just breaking everything down for us. And I mean, I know people can get a ton of value out, out of this episode. I hope so. I hope so. And I hope they track me down and, and shoot the breeze and this is what it's supposed to be, man. It's supposed to be collaboration like this and yeah. getting good information out. Again, there's nothing wrong with the corporate world or standard W2. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But leverage it. Mm -hmm. Create something. Live your life the way that you want to live it. Don't default to someone else's definition. Thank you for giving me a chance to just talk to people about that because hopefully it'll help someone create their own life that they don't need a vacation from. Definitely, definitely. And where's the best place for people to find you? Keep up oh. with what you're doing, Try Life On, all that stuff. Well, Try Life On is easy. That's trylifeon.com. That's my coaching platform. And like the podcast will be released there. And when I do other projects, it'll come there. Um, so that's trylifeon.com. Quattro Way or Quattro Capital is the Quattro Way. W-A-Y.com, the Quattro Way.com. And then I am hyperactive on LinkedIn talking about this type of stuff. And then uh, 
Instagram is a visual representation of it. But I literally just put, um, no, I just prepped the video because I got off the plane. I haven't talked about travel hacking in a while. I got off the plane and I'm like, oh, the lounge is right there. So I got here for free. Lounge is right there. I can shower real quick. I can come up. We can live this way if we truly want to, you know? So I show a lot of that stuff on Instagram. Love it. Love it. Thank you again, man. And thank you to everyone for listening to another episode of the Black Real Estate Dialogue podcast. You made it to the end. So make sure you like and subscribe and share. On, if you're on YouTube, if you're on audio, make sure you leave us that five-star rating and review. Look forward to talking to you soon. Hey, guys, this is Maurice, host of the Try Life On podcast. And thank you for listening to another episode. I hope you are finding it useful in helping you design your own lifestyle that you don't need a vacation from. If that's the case, please consider dropping a review for me, whether in Apple, iTunes, or in Spotify. Drop a review, put some stars on it. Give me some feedback on how I can make the podcast better, what information you are looking for. I am doing my best to get information to you on the Try Life on Principles, the five freedoms, how to build lifestyle, travel hacking, all of it. And I want to do it for you. So please do a review for me. And until next time, my name is Maurice Philogene, and this is the Try Life on Podcast. Peace.